In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. When you are just one among more than 40,000, it's difficult to stand out. It's hard to be labeled the best in that crowded a field. It's also hard to be labeled the worst among so many, and yet somehow one Ottawa area business managed to secure that dubious honor. The notorious McDonald's restaurant on Rideau Street is closing its doors. A regular stop for police most weekend nights. It's now set to close permanently in April after 38 years in business. If you would like a sense of how the Rideau Street McDonald's earned its title as the worst McDonald's in the world, just search for it in YouTube and gaze upon the scroll of handheld cell phone videos of incidents. Some viral, some legendary, others just chaotic and scary. Over nearly 40 years, this location became a national punchline, but also a local problem. And now it's closed forever. But as notorious a legacy as it leaves behind, this closure also offers another story. It's a story about public spaces, neighborhood support, and local policing. Because while your cities may not be as notorious as Rideau Streets, every major downtown has at least one of these restaurants. Open 24 hours, cheap enough to secure a seat and a cup of coffee for almost anybody, neon beacons to all of the street passing them by. The story of the Rideau Street McDonald's is a darkly amusing tale. But it's also the story of all of our cities and how they're changing. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Amy Dempsey is a senior writer based in Ottawa with the Toronto Star. Hey, Amy. Hello. Why don't you set the scene for us just before we get to the McDonald's itself, For people not from Ottawa who haven't uh, really visited, what and where is the part of the city, uh, part of Rideau Street it was located on? Describe the area a bit. So it's right in the heart of downtown Ottawa, down the street from Parliament and the Chateau Laurier, all of the famous historical buildings that people come to visit. It's also directly across from the Rideau Centre, which is Ottawa's largest shopping mall, kind of like the Eaton Centre or the West Edmonton Mall of Ottawa. Mm -hmm. And then it's also, Rideau Street is where the entrance or one of the entrances to the Byward Market is. And the Byward Market is a historical district, a neighbourhood that's a nice area to stroll around, vendors. It's a popular nightlife destination. Right. The McDonald's is kind of on a direct path between the University of Ottawa's student housing area and the market, which is a popular place to go at night to have some drinks. So a lot going on around it. 
A lot going on for sure. And it's also a place where most of Ottawa's emergency shelters are located. So Uh most of the services for street-involved individuals are in that neighborhood. So uh, the social issues that we are seeing, you know, across the country post-pandemic are really present in that area. And so in the middle of all of this, uh, there is this McDonald's. What was the McDonald's like? Have you ever been inside it? I have. (laughs) Tell me about it. So I was inside the McDonald's uh, recently uh, when it, you know, in its calmer days. But I also spent some time there as a graduate student when I lived in Ottawa, say, 14 years ago. Few, few late night stops. Right. So I have my own experience. And then, you know, what, what people tend to say is it was a different place during the day than it was at night. So during the day, there would be a lot of just a lot of traffic because it's a very busy, popular tourist area, especially in the summer but not you it would be a completely different scene after midnight so the after midnight crowd or the after 2 a.m after bar close crowd was often a large crowd people described it to me as a very hot and sweaty place kind of like imagine going to the gym and the kind of smells that arise when you're working out at a gym or imagine people who have been out dancing all night and drinking and are just kind of coated in sweat gathering together in a restaurant that smells like french fries and and all that good stuff um and so the a mingling of smells a mingling of many smells people often talked about the floor in that mcdonald's that's one thing that that stood out for people. People talked about it being, you know, a place where you wouldn't want to wear sandals at any time. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> and you know, the staff were hardworking staff, but sure. it's, I would imagine it's really hard to keep up with the cleaning in a place like that, that gets, that sees the kinds of crowds it does. You talked about it in your article and you described a scene, not so much of a lineup, but a mosh pit fighting for cheeseburgers, which I'm going to remember forever. Yeah, that's right. You know, you know what it's like standing in front of a counter at a McDonald's if you've ever been to one, which I just assume everybody has been to a McDonald's at least once. But rather than lines, just just crowds. Um, And you can see some of those videos online where it's just you don't it doesn't look like there's a line. It just looks like people are gathered there to watch a, a concert behind the counter or something. And it is well known uh, for that vibe you just described, um, but also for for various incidents, and I know we're going to get to some of the serious ones, and this is not entirely a fun conversation, but what are some of the weirder incidents that it was known for? You've got a bunch in your piece. Yeah, so the most famous one, of course, is the raccoon brawl, or what people call the raccoon brawl. Yeah. Raccoons were not involved in the fight, but it's just become known as the raccoon brawl. So it it was a night where, um, and there's a video of this online, I spoke to the guy who who shot the video, actually. His name is Sean Stewart. And he showed up that night and had kind of a feeling. He, he felt like there was something in the air <laughs> that suggested to him there was going to be a fight. And so he went to line up to get some double cheeseburgers and he gave his girlfriend his phone and asked her to record. And she did. When the video opens, it's just people hitting each other, uh, kicking each other, pulling each other down to the ground. Um, I think I counted a dozen punches in the first minute or so. Nobody knows really how or why the fight started, but it's all it's all guys, younger guys, just beating the heck out of each other. Right. And then kind of off to the side in the camera, this man appears and he's not part of the fight. He's just sort of 
casually watching. And th- but then he pulls this raccoon out of his sweater, a baby raccoon, and he holds it up high, almost like that scene in The Lion King right. where Rafiki holds Simba up and he holds the raccoon up in the air and then he disappears. He's off camera. And it kind of makes you go, wait, what? The guy who recorded the video, Sean, told me that he didn't even know there was a raccoon in the video until after he posted it. He posted the video, then watched it, and him and his girlfriend went, wait, what? Did you see that? And um, so then the raccoon appears again uh, a few seconds later. The, The guy standing there, and this time he has a cigarette hanging between his lips inside the McDonald's. He's not smoking it. It's just... Right, as you do. Yeah, it's not lit. He's, he's getting it ready. And uh, the raccoon is safely tucked back into his sweater, but just looking out, observing uh, the chaos. The fight's still happening. People are screaming and it's all very intense. But this guy with the raccoon just looks so casual. So that's that's definitely the most famous story and probably uh, the one that got the McDonald's the most attention. That one went uh, viral well outside of Ottawa, I believe. Yeah, it was covered in the Daily Mail. um, And the story kind of, once a raccoon gets involved, you know, stories take on a life of their own. So people started calling it the worst McDonald's in Canada. And then eventually uh, there were stories out there calling it the worst McDonald's in the world, which is, it's a pretty big title for a little McDonald's in Canada. in Ottawa. I don't know that it's necessarily true. I haven't visited enough McDonald's restaurants to know, but it was certainly a unique one. There's also a kind of a brawl uh, that's that's famous where there's just two guys beating each other with um, wet floor signs. I really don't want to make this all sound silly. The, the restaurant does have a viral reputation. And like you said, once a raccoon gets involved, uh, things tend to spiral. But this story evolved into kind of a serious issue. How often were the police called to this restaurant? And, you know, what kinds of calls did they get? Because, you know, the wet floor signs are are kind of funny, but there was a lot of bad stuff going on here. Yeah, the police started to take it really seriously and get pretty fed up at a certain point. Right. Um, so it all came to a head in 2019. They did the tallies and they were getting... Basically, on average, like more than 800 calls a year in the five years prior to 2019, they were getting 800 calls, you know, for help, for police assistance from the restaurant annually. And there were 928 calls in 2017 alone. So if you do the math, it's more than two calls a day on average. Yeah. So police felt that this was over the top and, you know, the restaurant was was uh, requiring a lot of pr- police resources and something something needed to be done, is what police felt. Is this all because just the location and the amount of traffic that it gets? Is there something special about the layout of the place? Um, do we know what's going on? So I think every city has a fast food restaurant like this. When this story was published... I got a lot of messages from people saying, oh, if you think this is the worst one, you haven't seen the one in downtown Halifax or you haven't seen the one. uh, What about the one on Queen and Spadina in Toronto? So it's the 24 hour aspect, uh, I think, where you're just getting a different kind of crowd when when people are coming in at two in the morning. A lot of people are coming in drunk and excited. (laughs) 
and you get uh, you get a different kind of scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this McDonald's uh, in particular had some design challenges, or what police and city council and and city staffers identified as some design challenges that they wanted the restaurant to address. So one of the issues, uh, one of the things is the main entrance to this McDonald's was on Rideau Street across from the mall, but there was also a back entrance exit. Hmm. And that went right into the Byward Market. So it became a thoroughfare. You'd have people just walking through to get quickly from one place to another. Right. But it also created an easy escape route for anybody wanting to evade police uh, when when calls were made to police. And then in that back entrance exit, this McDonald's had bathrooms that were at the end of a long hallway. Some people called this hallway the hallway to hell uh, because it was really isolated from the rest of the restaurant. And weird things happened there. Weird, uh, you know, is maybe putting it lightly, uh, Some people say that they witnessed illegal things happening back there, drug use, Hmm. you know, sexual behavior, and which is not necessarily illegal, but not what you normally expect to see at McDonald's and and that they didn't feel safe back there. Uh, So if you wanted to go to the bathroom, you had to go down this hallway. And uh, if you were a person who was doing something that that, uh, was illegal in McDonald's and police came to the front door, you could you could run out the back and escape through the Byward Market. Mm. And that was frustrating for police. So they did the math on this and they added up just how often they'd been called. And you mentioned uh, they got fed up. Tell me about then police chief uh, Charles Bordelow. Who was he? What was his background and what happened? Uh, so Charles Bordelow was the chief of police for Ottawa at that time. He'd been the chief for seven years and he was actually about to retire. You know, normally police chiefs don't get involved in day-to-day policing issues like this. They're usually uh, focused on uh, bigger, broader policing efforts. But one of his his inspectors for the area came to him saying, like, this is getting really out of hand. We need to do something about it. So the chief happened to actually be a former McDonald's employee. He had worked there as a teenager, as as a young man in his early 20s. He'd even worked there when he was first starting out in the Ottawa police. And so he he knew from that experience that um, McDonald's, the corporation, was really focused on its public image. And so he decided he would write a letter to uh, McDonald's headquarters outlining the issue and, you know, saying that something needed to be done about it. And then because they'd had such challenges working with with the McDonald's on these issues, he decided to take it a step further. And he gave this letter to the media, <laughs> which, you know, was a pretty bold move. Uh, he knew what would happen as a, as a police chief. He had a lot of experience with what happens when when journalists uh, get a hold of, of information and yeah. the story became a big story. And uh, he was hoping that that drawing attention to it would would lead to change. What was in the letter? Can you just read maybe one or two of the key sentences? The letter is dated March 15th. And he wrote, I'm writing to you to request your immediate attention and action in relation to the ongoing criminal activity and social disorder issues at the McDonald's franchise located at 99 Rideau Street. And he wrote that police officers attend this location on a daily basis for vagrancy, 
liquor license violations, illicit drug use, and incidents of violence. He also wrote that McDonald's community standards were not reflected at this location. It's just, it's, it's always amusing to hear the, this McDonald's described in official language. Yeah. <laughs> community standards not reflected. Um, yeah, so he sent it uh, and then he gave it to a journalist from CTV. And then that move kind of set in motion a chain of events that uh, ultimately led to its permanent closure. How was that letter received? Do we know how it was received by McDonald's uh, and in the media? McDonald's hasn't said anything publicly. They don't really speak publicly uh, about about things like this. So they right. haven't, you know, they didn't reply to any of my emails, my requests for interviews. Uh, they didn't uh, answer my questions. Um, neither McDonald's uh, nor the franchise owner. So we don't really know what, you know, how they received it. But we know what they did after, which is they made the decision to uh, close the restaurant at 10 p.m. instead of having it be a 24-hour operation. So they cut the night shift. And what happened when they did that? Because you mentioned it ultimately led to the entire closure of the restaurant. So that couldn't have been the last move. Yeah, so I don't think we could say it. it didn't directly lead to, but it was sort of the first step. And again, we don't know why McDonald's closed. They they won't say. Right. But uh, many people view the cancellation of the night shift as like the first step toward it ultimately being closed. Because basically, when when the when the lease came up for renewal this year, they decided not to renew it. So maybe if the lease had been up for renewal back in 2019, uh, when they first decided they weren't for safety reasons going to end the overnight shift. Maybe they wouldn't have renewed the lease then. Maybe the pandemic played a role. Um, Who knows? But they did did this year decide not to renew the lease and close. And that's almost where the story ends. But uh, how did the community take the loss of the quote-unquote worst McDonald's in the world? Uh, You know, it's drawn a lot of different reactions. So the first notable thing that happened is it's been interesting to see how people have celebrated this McDonald's. There's almost um, in in some corners an excitement about having this wild McDonald's because Ottawa doesn't have a whole lot of wild <laughs> of wild things happen. You know, Ottawa has a bit of a reputation for being boring. Yeah, uh, I'm not saying it's a it's deserved, but it does have that reputation. And so to have this kind of um, McDonald's that's uh, the best thing you could say about it is it's got a lot of character. It's never a dull moment at this McDonald's. Yeah. And, and especially because I think there was some pride uh, amongst some Ottawans that, you know, it, that we had the worst McDonald's and worse than Toronto McDonald's even. <laughs> so, uh, so some University of Ottawa students banded together and ha- and they staged a march. And it wasn't a march protesting the closure of the McDonald's. It was a march celebrating the McDonald's and sort of bidding it farewell, I guess. The organizers dressed up in costume. Um, the person who, who led the march was dressed as Ronald McDonald. I was there. It was on a really cold, really cold Sunday in March. And I saw somebody dressed as French fries. Uh, There was a a young guy dressed as a raccoon. He was wearing like a raccoon bodysuit and holding a picture of a raccoon who he told me was, you know, his brother, the, the raccoon from 
from the sweater McDonald's night fame. Right. They marched around the around the downtown and and past the McDonald's, just kind of bidding it farewell. I thought honestly, maybe ten or twenty people would show up to this thing, uh, but there were about 200. 200 people came out wow. to bid farewell to this McDonald's. What does this restaurant symbolize in terms of its place in Ottawa or maybe just like every restaurant like this is place in its city? I think that this story is one that illustrates the challenges downtown business districts and communities are facing uh, amid a national housing crisis, an epidemic of homelessness, mental illness, and drug addiction. People saw it as symbolizing different things. So it depends on where you're standing. Some people worried that the closure of the McDonald's was a canary in a coal mine, you know, a sign of more challenges to come for an area still struggling to recover from the pandemic Mm. and dealing with a lot of challenges brought by addiction and, and mental illness. Other people didn't see it that way at all. And they saw... They see the McDonald's as a symbol of, you know, the challenges our our downtown cores are facing and the challenges of fixing some of those problems. So uh, finding homes for our street involved individuals, making sure everybody has a house, has a place to live, a safe place to sleep. At least one person felt that this McDonald's was uh, forced out of business by bad publicity, unfairly instigated by the city and for, and former police chief. Uh, that person asked, why should McDonald's be in charge of keeping the streets safe? You know, this person saw it as police blaming a family restaurant for the city's social problems that shouldn't be up to McDonald's to, to solve. Hmm. Yeah, and then other people just saw it as something, a quirky, weird thing in our city to, to remember as a good story, I guess. One last question before you go. When you asked people, um, your colleagues, for their fast food restaurants in other cities, anybody tell you about the Harvey's near uh, what used to be Ryerson University? Oh, I used to live near that Harvey's. And uh, I don't want to say the name. I don't want to say its nickname because it's no. rude. Yeah. But I know about that Harvey's and I've heard lots. I mean, I've seen things and I've heard things as well. And I used to live near a murder McDonald's, unfortunately. The McDonald's on the Danforth. A homicide took place there late one night. Um, oh, yes. And there was also a famous murder McDonald's in Sydney, Nova Scotia. I grew up in Nova Scotia, and that was... Um, I mean, it's it's kind of like you say, you know, every fast food restaurant that's open late becomes a receptacle for whatever the community around it is struggling with. Exactly. But, yeah, it, it, they're part of the fabric of the city, and um, I think they're they're fascinating places to look at. Thank you so much for talking with us about this one. Thanks for having me. Amy Dempsey writing in the Toronto Star. That was the big story for more, including a previous episode with Amy where we discussed rats taking over Toronto. We have a lot of fun on this show when she joins us. You can head to thebigstorypodcast.ca and search for her name. You can also find us on Twitter at thebigstoryfpn or you can write to us, hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca. If you feel like using a phone, Who does now? But maybe you do. Call us. Leave a voicemail, 416-935-5935. The Big Story is in every podcast player. Hopefully, it's in your subscriber page. If it's not, make that change. If your friends don't know about us, make sure they do. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow.